Welcome to 49ers Access. My name is Sterling Bennett. This is episode number 46 of the podcast. And today, yes, we are going to preview the Niners week four matchup against the Seattle Seahawks. And we're going to talk about that entire game. But but first, I want to talk to you about something. And it's more so about life and how the NFL and life kind of come together. And in life, just like the NFL, just like Mondays after the NFL, you play Monday morning quarterback, you play the what-if game. And in life, you play that what-if game as well. What if I can go back 20 years and change this decision? What if I can go back last week and not say that certain thing to this certain somebody? I know I've done that. There are plenty of things in my past that I've said to certain people that I wish I didn't. Uh, And in the NFL, it's, you know, what if we didn't make this pass? What if we hit that pass? What if, you know, what if Jimmy Garoppolo hit Emmanuel Sanders in the Super Bowl? Uh, What if Trey Sermon hits that hole against Green Bay? What if Kyle Juszczyk falls down at the one-yard line? And again, you can do that over and over and over again. What if the tuck rule wasn't in effect in the snow in New England with the Raiders? And again, like, what if 28-3 never existed? But that's how stories are written. The what if is what makes life so compelling. It's what makes you question maybe your morals, but also makes you a better person in the end. And recently, Niner fans have been playing the what if game a lot. And it is reasonable. Like everyone plays this game in their head. I I played it this morning. What if I did this at my job better than before? Or what if I did this instead of that at my job and that way we could have got out of this situation? And, like, that racks my mind constantly. And I'm sure, like yourself, you know, the Niners lost to the Packers, so your mind was wondering, what if we did this? What if we did that differently? What if the offense wasn't stagnant in the first half? What if Brandon Ayuk catches that ball and Trey Lance never has to come in? Are we even having conversations regarding Trey Lance starting against Seattle? But now that what if is becoming overwhelming and it's kind of overtaking the landscape of the 49er fan base. And maybe it isn't overtaking the entirety of it, but it is overtaking a large portion of it. And not that it's a dangerous place to be in, but the what-if game is okay because it allows you to learn in life, in the NFL. It allows you to uh, take your experiences that you've lived through and either change your ways or, if it's a good thing, continue to do said good thing to either spread a positive in your life or throughout the world, or change from a negative into a positive. Now, for many, that can be a day-to-day thing. In the NFL, it could be a scheme. Like, we didn't guard Devontae Adams very well here. How do we do that? And let's approach that next week or coming into the next week better. Let's try to scheme better for the the offense's best player. And now we're playing that what-if game again. And I want to use the example of Tom Brady here. What if Tom Brady never left New England? What if they bring in more offensive weapons for him? What if Antonio Brown never gets suspended? What if Bill Belichick takes the time out of his day to reach out to Tom? What if there was a buy-in someplace? And now we're at a certain point where we're, we're kind of criticizing Shanahan and Lynch for not taking the opportunity to go out and sign Tom Brady. And, I mean, he, he's the greatest quarterback of all time. No ifs, no ands, or buts. But just like in life, you have to grow from those what-ifs. What if Tom Brady was a San Francisco 49er? What if they traded Jimmy Garoppolo in order to bring Tom Brady in? The Niners have a what-if as recently as last year. And... It's a big one. You don't just turn away the greatest quarterback of all time and not have to live that down. Especially after he wins a Super Bowl, that same season you turned him down. And I think for valid reasons at that point, it makes sense. But again, everybody can look back and say, what if? But it's not about just asking that question, what if? It's about how you learn from that what if. Change your way. Change your thought process. 
change how you develop certain players, morph how you view a certain aspect of the game, morph how you view life, how you view your relationships with certain people. And I think instead of asking ourselves, what if, because there's so many of those in life and the NFL, we have to ask ourselves, as 49er fans, do we believe that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have learned from those what-if situations? Have they gained the experience? Have they taken those experiences that maybe have kind of bitten them and said, how do we learn from these? And of course, there are many of those in the NFL, and you can't learn from every single one at the same time. It's not going to be a night and day difference. That's not how life works. That's not how relationships work. Like That's just not how the real world works. You don't make a decision one day and the next day you're the exact opposite and your whole life is changed. That, that, that's not how it works. I am not who I was when I was 14 years old, but it took me 10 years to get to where I am right now, being 24, going on 25. However, however old you are, you are not who you were 10 years ago, but it took you 10 years to get where you are. Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch signed here in 2017. And they came in here with a method. We want high-character guys, build from the trenches, play our style of offense, run first, play action, over the middle of the field, passing offense. Now, over time, that has morphed somewhat. They've taken risks on certain players that didn't work. They've changed how they've drafted over time. And again, they're still going to have misses. And we're going to talk about those misses today and how they're impacting the team. But those what-if questions, and I think the biggest one we have so far is, what if they won that Super Bowl, and what if they signed Tom Brady? And instead of asking that, what if they signed Tom Brady, we have to ask ourselves, did they learn from not signing Tom Brady? Did they change their mindset? Did they morph how they think in regards to the quarterback situation? And in It's Better to be Feared by by Seth Wickersham, he talks about and details the Niners' thought process. They did not view Jimmy Garoppolo, or they did not view Tom Brady as good, or maybe they didn't view Garoppolo as nearly as bad as people believed him to be, or as far off from Tom Brady. They believed Garoppolo had not reached his peak yet. And in 2019, in the 2020 offseason, that's valid. Like, one play changed the entire the entire fan base's outlook on Jimmy Garoppolo. One quarter changed the entire outlook. That does not change what a head coach and a GM think of Jimmy Garoppolo. But sticking with the what-if here, the Niners have now taken that what-if of not signing Tom Brady. And they have now learned from it, which is exactly what you want from a general manager and a head coach. They said, look, we believe we can win with Jimmy Garoppolo. That is a true statement. You can win with Jimmy Garoppolo. They said we can probably win more with Garoppolo than Brady in this moment with longevity. At that moment, they were true statements. Now, we now know that may not have been true in regards to the immediate future. Tom Brady is now a Super Bowl champion in two conferences in his first year with the Buccaneers. But after seeing what Brady did, after seeing maybe the mistake they made, they looked around the NFL and said, what type of quarterback do we need? What type of quarterback is the NFL heading towards? It's not heading towards a Tom Brady, Jimmy Garoppolo style of offense. It's not heading towards that archetype for a quarterback. It's no longer Kirk Cousins, Peyton Manning, Phillip Rivers, Jake Plummer, Drew Brees. It's not those guys. Now, of course, you want your quarterback to have some of the best elements from those quarterbacks. A Manning, his brain. Brees, his pocket awareness. Aaron Rodgers, his arm. But the NFL is moving in an archetype of Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert. It's moving towards that direction of a dynamic quarterbacking. And John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, they themselves stopped act stopped asking stopped asking the question, 
what if about Tom Brady and realize we don't have time to live in that past. We have to ask ourselves, how can we learn from that what if and make the best decision for us going forward? And let me tell you, that decision is number three overall pick, Trey Lance. Just like in life when you are given a situation and maybe you fail and you go back and you go, what if I made that kick? What if I passed that test? What if I spoke more kindly to this person or, or built that relationship up more with, with said person? What if I said this thing to someone before something crazy happened to them? John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan said, we're done with the what ifs in regards to our quarterback. We've learned from the mistakes we've made. And we're going to learn and we're going to pivot towards what the NFL is heading towards. And I know people have lost confidence in Kyle Shanahan. And trust me, I am the first one to directly tell you how I feel about him and this team. I will never sugarcoat anything about this team. You will know when I'm frustrated, when I don't buy what they're selling, when I don't believe in Jimmy Garoppolo anymore. You will know when those moments come and when they have come and when they will come. But this idea of, you know, what if we did, like, what if we signed Tom Brady? At this moment, it's September 30th, 2021, a little over a year removed from not signing Tom Brady and sticking with Jimmy Garoppolo. Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have made a decision to learn from that mistake, learn from that decision they made, and have picked the quarterback they believe is best fit to lead this team into the future. The quarterback they believe, including myself, also believes, was the best pick for them in the 2021 NFL Draft. That's Trey Lance. And now, we can pick apart when he should play, how much he should play, but as a fan base, we can no longer live in the what if. We can only live in the factual proof of what our GM and head coach have done. Yes, some of it's really bad. And some of it's really good. And instead of living in the, we could have had Tom Brady. We should have cut Garoppolo. We should have signed this guy and this guy and this guy. That's almost two years ago. And they've already corrected that decision. And in due time, we will understand they learned from that. And just like I would ask from you to me and vice versa, be patient with our GM and head coach. I know we're eager to win. I'm eager to win. I want to see a Super Bowl championship in my lifetime. I've seen this team lose twice already. It's painful. I get it. And I know it's hard to watch Tom Brady win his seventh Super Bowl ring and not be a little upset. But instead of keep instead of looking in the rearview mirror, keep your eyes forward. You're looking back at what could have been, and with Trey Lance, we have to look towards what hopefully will become. It's no longer a conversation of what if. It is a conversation of when will Trey Lance take over and how much success will he have when he does? Forget Tom Brady. I know it hurts. It hurts. It's, it's supposed to hurt. <laughs> That's sports. That's what failure does to you. It keeps you honest. Makes you stronger. And that's exactly what it's done for John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. They saw the mistake they made. They saw the decision they made and how it impacted the roster, how it impacted the team. And they saw where the NFL was headed. And they made a wise, conscious decision to get the quarterback for the future, knowing what it could mean for the entire organization. So forget the what if. Forget this, it's better to be feared, book by Seth Wickersham. Forget it. It's not about Brady anymore. Who cares he wanted to come here? There were 31 other teams that didn't sign Tom Brady. There were 31 other teams who didn't draft Joe Montana. There were 31 other teams who didn't draft Lamar Jackson. There were 14 teams who didn't draft Mahomes. And I can go on and on and on and on. 
There's always going to be one of those players every year. How we miss that guy? And it's it's okay to criticize 100%. I will criticize the Niners for not taking Asante Samuel Jr. all day. How do you not take Asante Samuel Jr.? Aaron Banks hasn't played once. But instead of the what if, so let's start looking towards what is what will become. Because we're eating ourselves alive and it's creating unnecessary drama. Who cares? Yeah, it stinks. But guess what? We're in week four of the NFL season. We have Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll coming to Santa Clara. And as a fan base, we're focused on, well, Tom Brady could have come here. He wanted to come here. Why didn't he come here? Well, yeah, that stinks. But guess what? Now we have Trey Lance and Garoppolo. We have a 21-year-old hopeful phenom who has the potential to be a phenom elite quarterback in the NFL in the next, you know, in hopefully the next 15 years. Who cares about Tom Brady? I don't. It's the past. No more what-ifs. What-ifs means nothing. Because Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch learned from their what-if. It's not in our hands. It's in their hands. And they realized that that what-if likely was a mistake. And they corrected it. And that's the one thing you can ask for out of a GM and head coach combination. But now the question becomes the Seattle Seahawks. The Seattle Seahawks this year are 1-2. and And now it's they're in last place in the division. They lost to the Titans at home and the Vikings. The Kirk Cousins-led Vikings. And the question is, why are they 1-2? and two? How are they 1-2? and two? And who do you trust more? I talked about trust so far already in this podcast. Who do you trust more? Kyle Shanahan? And Jimmy Garoppolo? Or do you trust Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll? And the reason why I ask that question is because something has to give. Something a record, you could say, will end on Sunday. Either Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo will lose consecutive games for the first time as NFL head coaches, or Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll will lose three consecutive games for the first time as a head coach and quarterback combination. And I think if you ask me right now, because of San Francisco's ability to struggle early and the track record that Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll have of historically being one of the best offenses in the NFL, at least via the passing game, their two Super Bowl trips should have been two-time Super Bowl champions, but one ring is still one ring. It's one ring more than Shanahan and Lynch have in Garoppolo. Russell Wilson is a perennial MVP candidate. They are coming to Santa Clara where they don't necessarily own San Francisco, but this 2021 Niners team in front of fans didn't get the job done last week. They didn't didn't deserve to win last week. And, in my opinion, there is more pressure on Seahawks coming into Sunday than San Francisco. Of course, don't want to go 0-2 in front of the fan base. That makes a lot of sense. But also, Seahawks don't want to be 1-3 in the division. In last place, already digging their hole with the Cardinals and Rams leading the charge currently. With San Francisco possibly being 3-1 with the victory. Now, both teams, a win for San Francisco is 3-1, but a loss means both teams are back to 500, and Seattle is digging themselves kind of out of this early grave they find themselves in. But let's be honest here. The Seattle Seahawks have maybe comparable to the Buccaneers and the Rams right now, and the, and, uh, the Chiefs, of course, but 
Chiefs offense has struggled somewhat. Mahomes has not been Mahomes thus far. They have arguably the best passing offense weapon-wise in this league. Wilson, Metcalf, Lockett. Now, Gerald Everett will be out with COVID, or at least on the COVID list, protocol list. He will not play. But they also have Chris Carson, Rashad Penny. They have an offense designed to move the ball vertically. And guess what? They are a top five offense when it comes to scoring in the first half. The Niners and Seahawks are mirror images of each other. The Niners are one of the worst first half teams offensively in the NFL this season. The Seahawks, one of the best teams offensively in the NFL this season. And if Garoppolo and Shanahan want to dilly-dally, the run game isn't working. I think the run game is a much bigger issue right now than Garoppolo is. But if they want to dilly-dally and the offensive line continues to struggle, at least as, although it wasn't an awful game last week, they did have their struggles and it did come up in bad areas. Looking at you, Alex Mack. Tighten it up. (laughs) But if they continue to struggle early and they can't get their defense off the field, they can't give them time to rest up, Russell Wilson will annihilate this secondary. He has shown time and time again he can score from any position on the field. And look at our secondary. It's Emmanuel Mosley, an injured likely could be, may not play Josh Norman. K1 Williams is out. And you are going to be reliant on Drake Kirkpatrick, Demo Lenore, maybe Dante Johnson, and possibly Devontae Harris. I hate to break it to you, but compared to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, that secondary is not good. Like, Mosley can't lock up DK, and we'll see what Lenore can do on Lockett, but my money is on Lockett for sure. The chemistry him and Russell Wilson have is, if not the best, between quarterback and receiver, it is one of the best dynamics we have seen the last 10 years in this league. And if the Niners think that they can ride on the coattails of Bosa and Ford and Armstead, who admittedly have not played poorly all year, but struggled against Green Bay. Seven total pressures. It's not going to cut it. Nick Bosa has never sacked Russell Wilson. A quarterback that has the best pocket presence, probably in the NFL, knows when to run, knows when to slide, can keep plays alive better than any other quarterback I've seen in the last 10 seasons. Maybe outside of Aaron Rodgers, but I think better than. Like, this game is not going to be the, the like people want to talk about. Well, it was it was only one loss. I understand that the Niners did lose because of 37 seconds left. Garoppolo led the offense down there, and they were up by one. They should not have been in that game last week, but they were by the skin of their teeth. But Green Bay, despite them winning that game, despite the struggles on defense the Niners had, despite the struggles on offense the Niners had, they can't even afford to have those struggles. Because if the offense struggles and that defense is on the field for 10 minutes against Seattle, 15 minutes against Seattle in that first half, let me tell you now, they're going to be down by 30 points. Like, the Niners can't afford to have a slow start. You know, in, in baseball, you can, you know, you can be 3-7 and seven your first 10 games. Because there's 162 games. In the season. In football, you can't sting for two quarters because, at least against this team, that being the Seahawks, because they're going to put up 35 against you. And and look, I understand. Seattle is a awful, an awful second-half team. The offensive line's not very good in the second half. The defense can't get pass rush. Uh, Jamal Adams has not had that great of a season. And Seattle's secondary is not very good either. But I hate to break it to you, and although I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a better quarterback than Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins pushes the ball down the field far better than Garoppolo ever has. Like, I like Jimmy. I think he is better than Kirk Cousins. But Kirk Cousins does things better 
than Jimmy Garoppolo. And the things Kirk Cousins does better is push the ball down the field. We saw what happened last year against Seattle. And I get there were injuries. I understand you have half your running back room is gone. Garoppolo's playing on you know an ankle and a half maybe. Maybe just one ankle. But we saw what they did. They stacked the box the entire time. If the Niners want to win this game on Sunday, they have to establish the run early. They, like There is no chance for the Niners to win if they do not establish the run early. And the Seahawks, they're on a great rushing defense. They allow four and a half yards per carry. They've allowed three touchdowns. Like This team is not that good. They've allowed 24 rushes for a first down. Teams have 25... 25 rushes... Excuse me, 25% of runs are first downs against Seattle, one-fourth. Like, Seattle is no... You know, they're no goddess of a football team. <laughs> they have their struggles. They have their issues. But if... Mitchell's not playing, and it's Sermon back there, and you're relying on Carrion Johnson and Jacquez Patrick and Trent Cannon, who played well last week on special teams. You're not going to win this game unless you can establish that run, if you can get play action moving. Because you cannot have Garoppolo throw it 48 times like you did last week and expect to win a football game. That's not how Shanahan's offense runs. And again, if you dig yourself in a hole early, you're going to be asking Garoppolo to throw the ball 48 times, 45 times. When I think everyone in this fan base, including the coaching staff in San Francisco, realizes you would prefer Garoppolo throwing it 25, 28 times. And maybe even to some, that's too many times per game. So... If the Niners do want a chance to win on Sunday, it's not just about, we've got to stop Russell Wilson. Of course you do. But you have, like, the offense has to pick it up. And not just for the sake of, well, like, no duh. Like, you can't be a bad first half team. No, 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 no. It's not, like, the Niners offense technically doesn't have to score that many points. They can get a field goal. They can get a tight, like, they can score 10 points in the first half. Is what I'm saying. But they have to be able to establish the run and run that clock down. They have to control time of possession. Simply because you do not want, and this is any great quarterback, you do not want them having the ball in their hands more than you. You don't want your defense on the field against a top five quarterback more than your offense is on the field. Especially with a thinned-out secondary who looks even thinner this week. And especially if Norman can't play. Like, Buster Scrine, like, you are what you are. I'm not expecting, you know, bargain bin cornerbacks to come in here and lock up DK and lock it. And to kind of, you know, put the clamps down on a, on a Seattle offense. That's not the case. Like, no defense is putting a clamp down on Russell Wilson. Really. Especially when they're banged up. Like The Niners don't have their number one corner. This week, because their number one corner is out, they don't have their number two corner in Josh Norman. And their number one corner this week in Emmanuel Mosley cannot guard, or has not shown the ability thus far to guard DK Metcalf. It's just not the case. Seattle's passing offense... 10.4 yards per attempt. They're averaging almost a first down an attempt. They have seven touchdowns, no interceptions. A rating of 133.6. They have first downs on 42% of their passes. Now you can sack Russell Wilson, sacked eight times. You can get to Russell Wilson. But again, there comes that pocket presence. The awareness in the pocket. Well, like As Niner fans, we have seen what Russell Wilson can do in the pocket. And we're hoping Trey Lance can be like Russell Wilson one day. 
But what he can do in the pocket is unlike any other quarterback we've seen. He knows when to run, knows when to throw the ball away, knows when to escape the pocket, knows when to get rid of the ball. Compare that to uh, the Niners' offense. Eight yards, and like, these aren't even bad stats. Like, I'm not trying to discredit San Francisco's passing offense. It's, like, the Niners' passing offense since here has been far better than the run. They are the fourth most efficient passing offense through three weeks of the NFL. Excuse me, they are the, sorry, they're the second efficient passing offense in the NFL. Their offense is fourth. Like, the Niners' offense is not bad by any means. Like, imagine if they weren't struggling so much in the first half, they'd be first. Like, that, like that's how close they are to being 3-0, to being a top team in the NFL. But I think you and me, and I've said it here on this podcast, this team right here is not a Super Bowl team. It's not. And that's okay. But on Sunday, you don't have to play like Super Bowl champions. Because at the end of the year, that's only going to be two teams playing in that game. What you have to do is play consistent and efficient football from the kickoff to the final buzzer. When that clock hits zero. The Niners have yet to do that thus far. Again, their last five, their their first three quarters this year, they've outscored opponents 31 to 10, outgained them 262-279. Their last nine quarters, they've been outscored 57 to 48. They've been outgained 80 or 895 to 840. Like those don't look too far. Oh, what is that? What is that? Nine points, seven points? Like it, it, it's nothing. What is that? Forty-five yards, one play. That doesn't look too bad. Imagine if they played consistent football the entire game. Like my mind does not fear Seattle's defense. They have players, but they don't have a defense. If that makes sense. It's like playing, you know, a, a a team in the NBA, like the Sacramento Kings. They have players. They have Darren Fox. But you're not really worried about the defense. And that isn't to say that they can't put the clamps down. What it is to say is Seattle's defense is, you know, 20th ranked in the NFL. Like they're allowing 7.9 yards per pass. But the Niners can get their 8 yards per pass against this team. Like, the Seahawks' defense is not something that I'm going into the game worried about. I think San Francisco can score against this defense 100%. They're allowing 26 points a game. San Francisco can score. Russell Wilson has a losing record when teams score 25 or more points against him. Like, if you're asking me for, like, well, that's a coincidence, like, that's a pretty big coincidence there. They're allowing 26 points a game. Russell Wilson has a losing record against teams that score 25 or more points against him. The Niners have to score at least 25 points. My only question is, how many points are they going to be down by at halftime? And is it going to be greater than 25 points? Like, who do you trust more in this game? Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan to score 25 or more points and hopefully not lose consecutive football games for the first time ever in the regular season or Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson to put up 35 plus points against this defense who's not been good against the pass pretty much you know or against elite defenses like or offenses like Green Bay's all season against great quarterback and like, like Russell Wilson and against an offense that is even better than Green Bay's. All the way around. Seattle has better weapons, a better running game, and I'm not going to lie, probably a better quarterback than Green Bay. And a very similar offensive line. Like, this game is not going to be a game where we go into like, oh, like I have faith in my team. I love my team. I love this team. 
there's no reason why we shouldn't all be hoping and thinking that this team can win. But the reality is, what has this team proven to you this year that they have the ability to beat any lead offense? Huh? In my opinion, probably none. And I hate saying that, because I love this team, but it like and somehow the Niners are favored by two and a half points. Like Odd Shark has this game, the Niners winning thirty-two to thirteen. Like talk about, like talk about it. Like that's like I no like like I, I do not believe that whatsoever. Like the consensus is San Francisco is going to cover. Like the over under is uh, <laughs> the over under right now. It's fifty-two points. The Niners are two and a half point favorites. Like it just. Like, I'm looking at this and I'm saying, we believe that San Francisco, in an offense that has 11 different people scoring touchdowns, one of them is not named George Kittle, is going to somehow go toe-to-toe with an offense like like, like Seattle's, who is, has, in my opinion, a pretty bad secondary facing or, or, or opposing them on Sunday. Like, I am fully expecting this game to be 27 to, like, 10 at the half. And the Niners hopefully chip away and make it, like, 24-27 at some point, and then Seattle scores a touchdown. Like, in my mind, this game is 34-24 Seattle. Simply because I I am unsure of what this offense will do on Sunday. And it it's funny because whenever I go against the Niners, they end up coming out and they end up winning. Whenever I go for them, they end up losing. And that isn't to say that, you know, I don't have faith in the team, but it's just kind of the way things go where, like, as soon as I start to lose hope in the team, they kind of come back to life. You know, it's kind of like last year where you're like, oh, season's over, you know, it's, it's over, man. But, but then they come out and, you know, they, they kind of have a spark. Like, a- after the Bills game last year, I was like, season's over, wrap it up. And they win a game. They win two games. And you're like, oh, like, now we have six wins. The almost beat Seattle. And like, man, like, if if we could have made one or two plays, we'd be okay. But 11 different people have scored touchdowns on this team. Like, if that was the end of the season, that's a great number. That's a good number now. The difference is, it's not your best player. It's not like multiple guys have two touchdowns. It's like one guy has one touchdown. And they put up points. They put up 31 in Detroit. Put up 27 last week. 28 last week, excuse me. Like, those aren't numbers to scoff at. The issue is, is that you put up big points early, no points late. You put up no points early, big points late. <laughs> and that inconsistency, I'm sure it has you worried. It has me worried a ton. Because it should. And, again, the NFL, Seattle has given up the most first downs in the NFL so far. They're 26th against the pass. Like I said earlier, the Niners' passing offense can get their 8 yards per attempt. They can open up the offense with Jimmy against this secondary. My complaint is, you have to run the football. If you can't run the football, Seattle's going to sit there and they're going to blitz Jamal Adams. They're gonna blitz Carlos Dunlap. They're gonna they're gonna lock. They're gonna put two guys on Kittle. They're gonna say, "Hey Garoppolo, just like last year in Seattle, beat us with your arm." And I I do have faith in Jimmy. I don't want it to be misconstrued. I like Jimmy Garoppolo as a quarterback. I think we can win on Sunday. But the way this team is playing, Kittle has not practiced all week. If Kittle can't go, it's Ross Dwelly and Charlie Warner. And I hate to break it to you, they're not George Kittle. It's like this Niners offense, if Kittle can't go, has gotten worse every single week. Now, I'm hoping he can go. But we don't know yet. And I I think he will go. He's just taking it easy this week, doesn't want to get hurt, doesn't want to, you know, 
make his situation harder for himself. But in this certain time period, week four in the NFL, I do not trust Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo to leave this just this Sunday with a win. Especially going against Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson with their backs against the wall. Now, I don't think Seattle's a great team. I do not. If you're asking me, I thought Seattle was the third best team in this division. They might be the fourth worst team in this division. But that does not mean they do not scheme and match up better against us. Because they do. Their strengths are our weaknesses. We cannot guard against the pass. They have one of the best passing offenses in the NFL. Our strength is the running game. We don't have any running backs currently that have shown any consistency. And I do think Trey Sermon came on later in that game. I think he'll learn from that game against Green Bay. And if we can get Elijah Mitchell back, it is a boost. But guess what? Mitchell didn't do anything against Philadelphia. The holes were closed against Green Bay. There wasn't much room to maneuver, which means you're relying on Juszczyk, you're relying on Debo, you're relying on Kittle if he can play, to be your offense in the running game. And this brings me to, again, where it was last week, what are they doing with Trey Lance? And I talked about it earlier in the podcast of like, we have, like, we can talk about this in the way of, should Trey Lance play more? Should, how should they use him? And people want to talk about, well, he should just start. No, Trey Lance should not start. Trey Lance had a 46% comp percentage in the preseason. Same with practice. Same with the preseason. Same with um, individual drills during training camp. But where Trey Lance is most effective, and I believe if this Niners passing offense against this Seattle's passing defense, they can get their eight yards per attempt. And Jimmy Garoppolo can somehow, if the running game is not working, somehow effectively move this team down the field like we saw him do late in that Green Bay game. Because I hate, I hate to break it to the haters out there, Garoppolo moved that ball down the field against Green Bay. People were like, let's see what Jimmy can do. He showed you what he can do. And again, it's not that I'm worried that Garoppolo and Shanahan can't scheme a great game. Like, like I believe they can scheme against this passing defense. My issue is just, can our defense stop their passing offense? And I don't think they can. But going back to Garoppolo and what he can do offensively, if there's no running game, I still think, and it's going to be a lot harder because they're going to stack the box, but I do believe Garoppolo has the potential to beat Seattle's passing defense. But, in my opinion, the best place to use Trey Lance is once Garoppolo has beat the Seattle's passing defense, has got you to the red zone, has got you inside the 10-yard line, put in Trey Lance. If you want to run some play-action play with Garoppolo, try to get Kittle open, try to get Debo open, give him a chance, that's fine. But you have to utilize, at least for right now, your most efficient red zone player. That is Trey Lance. He was the most efficient red zone player in camp. Same for preseason. Same for the regular season. He's had two trips down there. He has scored both times. Both times. Put him in the game. I don't care if it's a pass. I don't care if it's a run. If you want to win this game against Seattle, you are going to have to use all of your weapons. Debo, Kittle, Ayuk. Let's be clear. Ayuk's back in the fold. Debo is still coming on strong. Kittle, if healthy, has to get targets. Trey Lance has to be utilized and maximizing his value as to where he is now. Not as a quarterback. Or not as just a quarterback, but as an offensive weapon. Kyle Shanahan talked about how he wants to use him. 
He wants to use him like a running back and a receiver. He wants to treat him like one of those guys. You have to earn your spot every single day. I'm going to put you in when we, when we deem you being the best player at that moment. Well, in the red zone, that's where Trey Lance has been the best player in that moment. And I hate to take away you know, Garoppolo's chance at a touchdown. But right now, it's not just about getting a guy a personal stat. And I'm not saying that Shanahan believes that. And I don't know if possibly, maybe Shanahan's kind of stubborn here and doesn't want to put in Trey Lance, doesn't want to let him go out there and succeed too much because then pressure gets ramped up. Well, Trey Lance has seven, you know, has seven red zone touchdowns. Why isn't he playing more? Well, now's the time against a passing offense like this where you are going to have to go toe-to-toe against a juggernaut-style offense when they're probably going to tear apart your weaker defense, at least secondary-wise, and they're going to push the ball down the field against you consistently. You are going to have to use every weapon at your disposal to win this game, to have a chance to match their offense. It's fire against fire now. Their defense is not great. Neither is yours. The Niners have not stopped the run that much this year. It's not been great. The rushing offense, the rushing defense this year has allowed 4.7 yards a carry. That is inside the 10th worst in the NFL. They've not been that good. The passing defense is not great either. Again, they've allowed 6.9 yards per attempt. That's not that bad. But 5 TDs. A rating of 95.2. This is going to be offense against offense. High-scoring game. Brutal game. Like, this could easily come down to who scores last. My only worry is that San Francisco is still going to score last, but they're still going to be behind because the offense struggled early. And the way to make sure this offense doesn't struggle early is playing Shanahan football, establishing the run, using play action wisely and effectively, hitting your open throws. Garoppolo has to not be antsy in the pocket like he was against Philadelphia and against Green Bay early. You can take shots downfield. I don't care if they're incomplete, but when you get in that red zone, because the Niners will, you must utilize your offense to its full potential. No more of this, when will we see Trey Lance? We know as a fan base, Kyle Shanahan knows as a head coach, when we should see Trey Lance. That's in the red zone. And unfortunately, and again, I love Garoppolo, there is no excuse as to why we should not be see Trey, be seeing Trey Lance in the red zone consistently. Now you can't do it every single drive, we know that, it gets old, defenses start to learn and scheme for it. But guess what? Trey Lance saved Garoppolo and the offense in the first half against Green Bay. Got the touchdown, re-sparked the offense. Imagine home crowd, first touchdown against Wilson in that defense. You use Trey Lance. If Lance has to be the spark early, let him be. You can no longer, you know, will, you know, Again, going back to the what if, what if they use, like, you know, all like, this question of what if they used him this play? What if they used Trey Lance that way? It's no longer about the what if for Trey Lance. It's about you have to, you don't have to start him, but you have to use him because right now the offense needs him in the running game and in the red zone. This team doesn't have a balance right now. Garoppolo's talked about playing complimentary football. Right now, San Francisco can't. Second-ranked passing offense, 16th-ranked rushing defense. They need offensive weapons. If you're in the Army and military, you don't go in there saying, we're not going to use this or we're not going to use this and hope it works out. Like If you're going to war, you're going to want to say, we want the Air Force, we want the Navy. Like You want all aspects of your you know, your armed forces ready to go in an instant. That's how you play football. You don't say, 
well, we thought it was good here. We didn't want to use him here. You know, like, no. You have to use your offensive weaponry against a team like this. Firepower against firepower. Something has to give on Sunday. Shanahan and Garoppolo could lose their first two consecutive games in a row. Carolyn and Wilson could lose three consecutive games for the first time in their entire career. Something has to give, and in my opinion, that needs to be Kyle Shanahan giving in a little more and letting Trey Lance play just a little more. It could be, and likely is, the spark this offense needs. It doesn't need to start, but you don't go into a game hamstringing your own offense. And if Trey Lance, which he has been, is the best player in the red zone, you have to use him. You have to. And as we learn of who's going to play this Sunday, who's not going to play on Sunday, if Shanahan does his Saturday interviews with Matt Mayoko, where you're going to want to find that stuff, because he talks a lot of good stuff, a lot of good stuff, about how to use Trey Lance, how to use Garoppolo. You're going to want to follow us on social media, Instagram, 49ers.access, Twitter, 49ers underscore access. You are not going to want to miss a thing, and you're not gonna miss a thing if you follow us on social media. Again, it's Seattle week. Let me be very clear. Let's freaking run them through the ground. Let's be 3-1. and one. Let's beat the freaking Seattle Seahawks. Let's show them. Let's reclaim. Let's reestablish ourselves in the NFC West. Because guess what? It's Arizona against the Rams this week. And it's us against Seattle. An undefeated team is going to lose. And we could easily be second in the division come Sunday with a win. And again, follow us on social media. And don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave a review. My name is Sterling Bennett. Happy Seattle week, everybody. Let's hope we can get this win. This has been the 49ers Access Podcast. And until next time, hopefully we're celebrating a win and stay faithful.